Let's stand to our feet and praise him together, will you? Come on, everybody, let's lift him up. Hallelujah. Blessed be the Lord. I'm honored that you're here today, and I am thankful for the blessings of the Lord, the wonderful dinner that we had last night together, and then this morning to have one of my dearest friends, if not the closest friend that I have, Brother Dennis Clark and Sister Lynette Clark. They are like my family, and it started a long time ago, and I hope that it lasts until Jesus comes and beyond. But I'm happy that they're here with us. Brother Clark, I want you to come, and I want you to preach to the finest congregation on the face of the earth, Greater Life Church. Come on. thought I was going to get a kiss. You may be seated for just a moment. There's nothing like being with friends. And the older you get, the more you value those friends, people that have been so influential in all of, all of our lives. I, uh, I know we've been here a while, and uh, it, only, it only comes once every 20 years so you won't have to repeat this for a while but we are we're here to honor your wonderful pastor and his wife it becomes quite apparent when you drive up on the parking lot of this church before you ever walk inside it becomes very apparent where the pastor's burden is it becomes apparent that it's it's something that is very very dear and and important to he and his family that it's where it's where his his burden is somehow god saw you and god saw him god married you together recognizing that you needed him and he needed you and god has a unique way i watched the slide slideshow presentation and i i thought of how god puts a congregation together one here, two there. I don't remember ever having a revival where my church grew by 150. I don't know of a church that ever grew with a revival like that after the day of Pentecost. But we are, we are so blessed today to have a pastor and pastor's wife that we come to honor. Their family means a great deal to us. We love these children They'll always be children, almost like my grandchildren, it seems like. And uh, there are things that we could talk about that I won't talk about. Ryan was so small, he sat on my knee. After church, we went down the road, and he was shooting Indians behind every tree and every car that we passed. There were Indians there, and he would say, oh, shoot. I know that's bad, but he'd say, oh, shoot, I'm out of bullets. He was out of bullets. He couldn't say bullets. He said bullets. But we, we had a lot of fun with these kids. Uh, Brother Hugh's daughter is one of the biggest cheats. And Skip, Bo, and Rook, you've ever been around. And your pastor's wife played a role in that as well and drug my wife off into sin. 
they are they are tremendous people. Some of the greatest memories of our lives hinge around brother and sister Hughes, the fun that we've had together, the times that we have we have preached together, we have wept together, we have laughed together, we have had some of the some of the greatest greatest times of our life. I won't be tacky today about your pastor, but he also is a thief. He uh, don't ever go shopping for ties with him. He'll snatch one out of your hand and go and pay for it and then laugh at you. He says that I do that, but I learned it from the best. I love Brother and Sister Hughes. They are, they are the greatest of people, and our friendship, friendship goes back a long, long time. And then to look at this great church and recognize all that God has done and the years that they have, they have been here and been a part of your lives and our lives, where would we be without the faithfulness of a pastor and a pastor's wife? Church looks good. The building looks good. The grounds look good. I've, I've tasted today of something in God that I have come to depend upon and appreciate so very much. And uh, that's the presence, the presence of a great God. I'll try to keep my remarks along those lines very brief. Just let it suffice to say that when you find friends like this, you, you find friends that are constant friends. They are with you through the thick and the thin. They're with you. They are some of the few friends that call on a daily basis when they know that you're going through a crisis or they know that you or your family or sometimes from his office he has called me on more than one occasion and has spoken a word to us that God had given him. And you learn to value that. You learn, you learn to value great friends like that. One more time, let's give our pastor and pastor's wife a tremendous hand of... They are so worthy. While you remain standing, let's go to the Word of God. I'll try to get my little part done, get out of the way. I'm a little off base here today. I'm already at a restaurant on our time. And uh, we, we are glad to be here. I feel very honored to be here. And I just simply want to, I want to talk to you from this subject for just a few moments today. Why I want a pastor on my side. In a world that considers a pastor only for burying their family members when one of them passes away, or they want somebody to dedicate their child, or they want someone to come to the hospital when there's a crisis, or they need someone to perform a wedding ceremony or dedicate a baby. In a world, I think, that has become so accustomed to using pastors for everything but what God intended for them to be used for. I come to you today just simply to speak from this subject, why I want the pastor on my side. Joshua chapter 1, verse number 5. He said, There shall not be any man be able 
to stand before thee all the days of thy life. All the days of thy life. You may be seated. Moses has died at this particular time and setting in Scripture. He's been buried with only one person at the funeral, and that was the Lord himself. But God never takes a man away from a position and place of usefulness without having someone else to replace him. There's no list of candidates that God consults. God has prepared a man, and God has made a man for that position and for that occasion. And so we find in Scripture Joshua stepping to the platform with a great promise from God. And God places this promise in the hand of this great man of God. There shall not be any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. It seemed that this was particularly important concerning where Israel was, what they were facing, the position and the posture that they found themselves in at this particular time, that God would give them Joshua to lead them, that God would give Joshua a word, this new leader of Israel. Small battles were given to help establish his leadership. And God brings them to a point and a place of the crossing and what we have often spoken of as the crossing of the Jordan. The spring melt-offs were at full swing. The entire valley was a raging torrent. The Canaanites stood on one bank of the Jordan and they looked across at Joshua and the Israelites and they said, it's impossible for them to reach us. The Israelites will never be able to cross the Jordan at flood stage. But they failed to understand that the leader had received a promise from God, that God had spoken something into existence that Joshua reached out and got a hold of and the children of Israel would benefit from many, many, many times throughout his leadership, that they would benefit the blessing that God had placed upon, I feel him now, come on, relax, breathe in, breathe out, we'll get through this, it won't take near as long if you'll help me. But if you don't help me, I've been long to be long-winded. We do need to, now you'll help me, we do need to understand the importance today. We do need to recognize the importance of the blessing that God has placed in our life when he gave us a pastor and a pastor's wife. That there are blessings that come to my life. And there are blessings that come to your life because of an anointed man of God that comes to this pulpit faithfully week after week after week after year after year and shares with us the good word of God. God said, Israel, you don't understand the significance of this word. Joshua, you may not even understand it. But it won't be long until you're standing. Just a few short days you will stand at the crossing of the Jordan. The river will be at flood stage. The enemy's on the other side. The enemy's taunting and saying, there's no possible way for them to reach us. There's no threat. Maybe so. 
had it not been that God had made the leader a promise that no man shall be able to stand before thee. It doesn't matter what has to happen for you to get from point A to point B. If my man is leading you, a man that I've made a promise to, you can rest assured your enemy shall fall. Your enemy shall be destroyed. I will give you victory. Somebody help me today. Clap your hands to the Lord. They say there's no possible way. The enemy rejoiced in the fact that they could not, they could not reach them. And then they see movement in the army of Israel. They don't understand exactly all that's going on. They may have considered them somewhat crazy. Joshua looks at these people, a people that God had called him to lead, and leaning upon an everlasting word from an everlasting God, he starts forward at the commandment of God, tells the people, don't stand here, go forward. And the Bible said one mile ahead the priests were carrying this glittering golden box called the Ark of the Covenant. God's established promise to His people. Aren't you glad that He's still with us? Four feet wide and, and just two, or two feet wide and four feet long. And the Bible said as the soles of the feet of the priest touched the water, that something supernatural happened. The enemy was taunting. The enemy was saying it's impossible. The enemy was saying they can't reach us. But when the feet, oh, somebody hear me. But when the feet of the ministry, when the feet of leadership, when the feet of men that God had chosen to lead stepped into that water, that water began to stand up on both sides and God's people found themselves crossing something that seemed impossible. How many times have we, can I just talk to you today, how many times have we come to the house of God and what seemed impossible became possible because God had given us a man with a promise. I stood recently, I stood recently at a, at a celebration service in my own church. I'm 10 years ahead of Brother Hughes. And uh, I, our, our 30th is coming up. And, and why they chose to do it at that time, I don't know at that particular Sunday night. But here a week or so ago, I don't know where you've ever had one or not, but it's called a cardboard testimony service. And they take a large piece of cardboard and they write on here, cancer, given three months to live. And then they flip it over and they walked up one by one. The spotlight was on them. The ensemble was singing, very beautiful. And they would flip it over and say, heal completely, not one cancer cell in my body. Thanks be unto God. And testimony after testimony, individuals that were addicted to drugs, individuals that were alcoholics, individuals that were in every imaginable sin. I saw things I didn't know. As they testified, they wrote it on one side, addicted to pornography. Can we just be real today? Uh, addicted to this, addicted to that. And then they'd flip it over, delivered by the hand of God. Been free for years. Been clean for years. 
Oh, ladies and gentlemen, I'm here to tell you, sometimes we fail to realize just how good can I help somebody today, just how good God has been, and how many times God has stepped in, and how many times God has made a way in this congregation if God's ever touched you and God's ever helped you because of the ministry that God placed over you. Stand to your feet today if you can, and praise God and thank Him for it. Praise God. One more time, clap your hands to a God that's been good to you. You may be seated. My question is, why did the Canaanites stand there and watch them as they went down one river bank? See, we think about creeks. Anybody raised on a creek? Anybody know anything about a creek? It's just a little small thing. You can almost wade across it. That's not where they were. When you talk about the children of Israel crossing the Red Sea, they went down one side a long ways into the bottom at a great depth and back up the other side. And it wasn't just 200 feet wide. But God made a way. When they went down into the Jordan River, you understand, they went down one steep bank across the bottom on dry shale, up the other side on dry shale, into the face of their enemy by the power and the might and the majesty of God. I often wondered why the enemy didn't jump on them while they were climbing up the other side. I would have. That's when I would have took off after them. Why didn't they? The Bible said when the enemy saw, read it for yourself, when the enemy saw what God had done for his people because of a promise he had made to his man, no enemy shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life, Joshua. I don't care what you and this people, I don't care what you and this people face. I've come to tell you, Joshua, when you get there, I'm going to show up. The Bible said the strength went out of the enemy when they saw what God had done. I wonder how many times we've walked in here and the devil said, I got them. But before you left, the devil said, I don't have them. There's no way I can touch them. God is keeping them by His I come to tell somebody, if ever you needed to celebrate, not just a pastoral anniversary, but thank God for ministry. You need to thank Him today. They don't go very far. And they come into another impossible situation. They face Jericho. Jericho's never been conquered. City walls so broad that they could race chariots, three abreast, around the top of them. Never had they been defeated. But this man that God said, as long as you live, no enemy shall ever stand before you. We think they walked into the Canaan land and never had a battle. 
There's 34 major battles listed in the Word of God that they encountered, the enemy, and they overcame the enemy. If ever we needed a word from God, if ever we needed to be able to come to this place and know I may not have confidence in a lot of things outside these walls, I'm not looking to Washington for my answers. My answers are going to come from God. I don't care who the president is or is not. I come today to tell you it's not decided by Washington. I believe that God has His hand upon his people and when they faced this insurmountable odd they had never been conquered before Jericho had never had its walls breached and Joshua was off praying and the Bible tells exactly where he's kneeling and what's all around him he sees something appear in front of him and he starts to draw his sword, and he said, Who are you? He said, Are you for us or for our adversary? And he said, Nay, but as captain of the Lord's host have I come. So, so what, what, what are you doing, Lord? Well, you see, y'all are facing something you don't understand. You're, you're looking at something that you've never been able to conquer. Anybody know where I'm at right now? You're facing something that the doctor said and the psychologist said you're going to have to. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You're looking at something that the doctor said you're going to die with and you only got five months to live, but you came to the house of God and no enemy that stands before you shall conquer you because you've got a God on your side and you've got a God that touches the man of God that leads you. And Joshua gets instructions. And he tells him what to do, and it sounds so silly. I don't think I could talk you into doing that. Look at somebody and say, he's talking to us now. And he's on my toes. Now stop and think about it. Well, let's just go outside. Let's march around Jericho's walls. And don't say a word. Now that would be hard. Just don't say a word. That would be hard. But they did this for six days and put up with a ridicule and put up with the people looking down at them. What are, you, what are they doing? What do they think they're doing? We're just obeying the word that God has given our leader. They weren't following blindly. They were following with confidence and trust. They've already learned that God is with Joshua. And if we follow, who am I talking to? If we follow Joshua. Joshua. I, I may not understand it all the time. I, I may not be able to comprehend. Who am I talking to right now? I may not be able to comprehend everything he's saying, but God put a man in my life as his spokesman to me. And if I can hear what he says, if I can keep him in my life, if I can involve him in if I can involve him in everything and every decision that I make that's of any consequence, I am promised by God On the seventh day, that seventh time around, all of a sudden, a little piece of mortar. I read too many funny books as a kid, okay? I got a very vivid imagination. A little piece of mortar fell out and hit somebody on his old bald head. They got to looking up and stuff started raining down. And all of a sudden, Israel scatters and the walls that had been never, they'd never been conquered. They'd never been breached before. All of a sudden they start shaking and they start shifting and they start 
they start coming apart at the seams, if you please. And the mortar begin to fall out of those walls and those rocks, and they begin to tumble to the ground. So, so what are you saying, Pastor? I'll tell you what I'm saying. I don't think this just happened. I don't think it was just happenstance. I don't think it was because of any other thing but what God had promised the man of God. I don't care how big the wall is. I don't care how big the problem is. I don't care how many times you have to march around it. I come today to tell somebody in the Holy Ghost that it was because that God had made a promise to his man that as long as you live not one enemy is going to stand before you and as we go down through their history as we march down through all that Israel went through we find over and over and over and over again God reaching God showing God ministering God expressing his tremendous ability and his promises to the man of God, that there shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. So this is why I want a pastor on my side. This is why I want to know when I go to prayer that I've got a pastor that's joining with me in that prayer. This is why I want to know when I'm standing at a crossroad that I've got someone I can go to and I can get an answer. I've got someone that will prayerfully carry my situation to the Lord. I've got someone that will with confidence and someone that I have confidence in that I can go to that God will take care of me, demonstrating over and over and over throughout Scripture. Even when they stepped away from what they should have, they went to him one time and said, Pastor, we don't need you in this battle. It's just a small group. It's nothing real big. You never have a situation in your life that you can say, I don't need him. And by the way, you're not bothering us when you call us. That went over like a roach in a punch bowl. You're not bothering us when you call us. We are called of God to be in your life what He wants us to be. Allow us to be what God wants us to be in your life. You've got to allow that. You have to allow that. But, Pastor, we don't need you this time. So I tell you, Joshua, you just you set this one out. And they went down to a little small place called Ai. And there were only a few people there. And they got defeated. And they came back with their tail tucked between their legs, wilt. And they wondered, what have we done? What's the difference in this and Jericho? What's the difference in this and the Jordan River? The difference was you went without the man that God made the promise to. I can't tell you how strongly I feel this today. And when Joshua falls on his face after that defeat, he begins to whine and, and he begins to kind of complain to the Lord. Lord, you brought us all out here to be destroyed. Maybe we should have just stayed on the other side of Jordan. I mean, after all, after all, Lord, why this horrible tragedy? And the Lord rouses him. 
And he asks him a question. He said, why are you lying on your face? You understand, Joshua, the fact is, I made you that promise. And as long as Israel carries you, you're going to have success. As long as Israel has you on their side, there are some good things. He said, let us. The Lord said, let us. Let you and I, let us get up together and let us, let us go toward AI again and see the great victory that we're going to bring because I made you a promise. And as long as they keep me in your, or you in, in their life, I'm going to bless them. Why? I need a pastor on my side. How powerful is it? We find them in another place called Gibeon. Kings had, had stood up against a people that they had, children of Israel made an allegiance with. And this promise is so powerful that the sun began to set and victory had not yet been wrought. You know where I'm going. You're Bible scholars. I forgot. And they, Joshua began to be concerned about it. And he speaks to the sun. How powerful is that? You want to know how strong and how powerful a word to the man of God is? You, you want to understand how powerful it is to have a man that can go to God and get a word for you? Ladies and gentlemen, I'm not here lifting myself up, but I'm here to tell you, if ever we needed to be thankful for a man of God, we need to be thankful for a man of God. He would not have allowed me to preach this if he had known what I was preaching, so I didn't tell him. But we do need to understand today, we need, do need to recognize that this promise was so powerful that the enemy was not defeated. And he said, sun, stand still. Moon, don't start rising yet. And the entire universe comes to a screeching halt. Come on, somebody turn the hearing aid up. I'm still up here. My, my point is, here is how powerful a word from God to the man of God was. That God would stop creation on its axis. And it would stand still until the victory was wrought and God fulfilled the promise that He made to the men of God. I feel the Holy Ghost here today. I want somebody in this building to understand He's not just your best friend, though that's wonderful. He's not just somebody you run to when you've got a crisis. He needs to be a part of your life every day that you live. And every day that you live, you need to pray for Him. And you need to ask God to give Him strength. And you need to thank God every time your knees hit the ground. Thank you, Lord, for a faithful pastor. A pastor. A pastor. There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. All the days of thy life. All the days of thy life. Well, Brother Barnes told a story one time. 
said he walked up on the platform, church in Minden, Louisiana, powerful man of God. And he, uh, he said he noticed some movement, said he hadn't seen it. He said the Lord just opened his eyes and said he could see dark robed and clothed entities walking through that congregation. And they were pulling people's hands out of the air that was trying to lift their hands toward heaven and worship God. People would clap their hands and he would come and take their hands and those dark clothed entities trying to stop the worship. Said he actually saw one lean over in front of a lady and said, shake his finger, tears streaming down her cheeks, shake his finger and his head at her. He said, then the minister walked to the pulpit and said he opened the word of God and said when he opened the word of God, he said those dark clothed entities backed up against the walls and in front of them stepped some bright white brilliant white clothed angelic beings and said they lined that building all the way around and said not just those clothed in white but he said those entities clothed clothed in dark clothing said when they started to read that word they saluted and stood at attention and God whispered to him and said that's just how powerful my word is I understand today as the musicians are coming I understand today, I recognize how important it is to have a man of God in our life. Sister Clark and I had not yet gotten married. We were in church with her mother and dad. Brother Marvin Cole was on the platform. The church was Brother R.D. Gibson's church in Beaumont, Texas. And I... I was standing behind my mother and father-in-law, and I, I watched as my father-in-law started kind of stooping over, and I thought, he's just talking to the kid in front of him, and he just continued to stoop, and finally his legs buckled, and he fell back right in front of me, almost in my lap, and I looked down at him, and his eyes rolled back in his head. Three registered nurses and a doctor were in that congregation. They rushed over to where he was, and uh, they said, someone needs to call 911, and so they got an ambulance on the way. They examined him, three nurses and the doctors that were there, and they said, he's gone. The crew, the ambulance crew got there a short time later, and they began to work on him. And um, they loaded him up, got him on the gurney and outside in the ambulance and was trying to be sweet to my girlfriend, soon to be my wife. And I, I said, babe, it looks like your dad's gone. She said, no. No. I said, I'm sorry. I said, they said that. And I said, I'm just trying to help you get ready so when we get to the hospital. She said, no. She said, God won't let that happen. Not in church. Got to the hospital. 
I never will forget the family gathered outside. And I stood there with them. Brother Cole was inside, just standing inside the doors of the hospital, the, the emergency room, the area they were working on him. And uh, he saw me and he nodded at me to come on back, so I stepped inside. Had my father-in-law covered up completely with a sheet. The doctor was filling out the paperwork. Brother Cole said, it can't be. I said, Brother Cole, this can't happen. This can't happen. He looked at me and he said, you're right. It can't. If you know Brother Marvin Cole, you know a man of tremendous faith. He reached his hands up under that sheet that covered my father-in-law's face. And he said, gee, if you know him, you know what I'm, nobody can say it like Brother Cole can. He says, Jesus. I say Jesus. He said, Jesus. Nothing happened. Kept his hands on both sides of my father-in-law's cold face. And he said, Jesus. And nothing happened. And he said, I stand on your promise. Jesus in your name. And I was standing there. I saw it with my own eyes. My father-in-law sucked that sheet into his mouth. As he gasped for air, and he sat up in that bed, and that sheet fell off, and the doctor dropped his clipboard and dropped his pen and stood there with his mouth open as my father-in-law started talking to people standing in the room. Ladies and gentlemen, I had him. I had him for almost 40 more years. He took me. He taught me. He showed me the things of God. Every time I looked at him, I remembered how blessed I was. But every time I looked at the man of God, I remembered how blessed I was to have somebody that knew how to touch God when my faith was weak. When I was unable to pray like I needed to pray. I'd love to tell you I've never needed anybody like that, but that's not true. If I ever needed a pastor in my life, I still need that pastor today. Stand with me.